Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Welcome, welcome to Fight Performance Protest. Mark Brewer is your host, bringing you the latest in performance training from the fight community. Welcome to Fighters Performance Podcast. This is Mark Brew, your host, and we're here with Josh Hinger. Round two. We got to tell the story. Tell the story about why we're back here again. We are back for another podcast, and uh, a lot of you listeners won't know this, and we'll never hear the first one. The whole system crashed, and uh, it just went into a, a worldly abyss. So um, he came back to Australia just specifically to do this podcast, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, right. Redo the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Now yes. this is the last thing he really wants to be doing on his uh, on his Thursday. Um, this is not. It's not the last thing that I want to do. It's not, okay. It's not the last thing. There's okay. a few other That's things that, that go right before this. It's not. Um, quite, it's not quite the last. Josh is on a tour of, oh, let's say, down under. You've been to New Zealand and Australia, doing a few seminars. I've been down under for five weeks now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And That's I go, awesome. I, I'm going home tomorrow. Yeah, lucky enough to get him here in Sydney just a couple of times. Two seminars now. So let's let I'm going to tell the story that you, you're not you didn't really okay, tell. So I, guys, I what happened I was three weeks ago. Was it three? Two weeks ago? No, it was three. Three weeks ago, I sat down with Mark and we had a nice conversation inside a, a chiropractic studio. We talked for like an hour and a half. It was pretty much the best podcast episode that I've ever given anyone. It was a great and, conversation. Yeah, and, and then we uh, really dug deep. A few into, weeks went by, and I'm like, yeah. I was like, man, when is Mark going to post this thing? Or, or maybe he, I was like, maybe he posted it, but he forgot to tell me. I am, I am. I'll apologize. <laughs> you don't have to keep apologizing. Yeah, it's done. But um, and I just saw him again today after I went on. I went on a two week vacation to New Zealand, and I came back, and I'm like, mm. hey, I'm gonna see Mark again. I'm like, hey, bro, like, what's up? And the real reason I came back was just to fight you again. Because the first time that we trained together, no one told me that Mark is an Olympic level judoka, and he tomanaged me right to my flat on my back, and I, and I had no idea that that was even coming, and and I was really upset about it. He, <laughs> I don't like being taken he down. Tells me Mark. He, set up, he set up. I don't, I don't like being taken. This time round, I was disappointed you wouldn't stand up. <laughs> I, I don't like being taken down, man. I'm I'm the guy who takes people down. Oh. And then when someone takes me down, I get really upset about it. You so, are a wrestler, right? So, yeah, I have a wrestling background. Yeah, and uh, But the the moment that you put your hands on me was the moment my feet left the ground. So I didn't even have a chance to do my thing. And uh, so I came back here just to get revenge. Well, you got your own back. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I asked Mark. I said, Mark, where's that, where's that episode that we did, man? Did you post it? And he just looked at me. And you gave me the look. And I knew instantly what had happened. I knew that you You've been there before, I, right? Because it's yeah. happened to me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's just like, fuck. The, the, the file got corrupted and we lost the whole episode. Yeah. So that's well, why we're back here doing round two. We're back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're back. We'll make this one better. It's going to be better. It's better than better. ever. It's like, it's like when you do a speech. The first time you do it, it's okay. Hmm. The second time is always better. Yeah. Or an exam. That's right. If you take an exam, the second time you take it, it's always better. Yeah. We'll, we'll improve on the last. So we're going to do better but this time. what you listeners have to know is that Josh is uh, the only American ever to win Nogi World <clears throat> Championships. The only non-Brazilian. Non-Brazilian American ever to win Doesn't matter that Nogi World American Championship three yeah. times in a row. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Non- so a former high school wrestler... Beginning his career in 2003, 2013 became uh, black a black belt yeah. under Andre Galvao. Correct. Um, and, and Atos. Atos. Uh, host of the Matt Burn 
podcast with yes. Kenan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's, and he's, he's, uh, he's if you aren't listening to that podcast, then get on it. Check it out. The Matt Burn podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And ex- an extremely aggressive submission hunter and the definition of determination in my dictionary. Thanks. And he is known for the, the hanger team submission system. It's a system. Mm. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't always call it that. It was, it was for a long time, just one technique. And then I just built around it. And now I have an answer for every reaction that anyone could ever possibly give me. And so now it became a system. Yeah. And I, I hope that you do get a chance to get along to one of his seminars. Um, hopefully there's a few coming up in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nobody ever does seminars in Brazil right. from, from outside that. Right. Non-Brazilians very rarely go to Brazil to do seminars. And mm. I think it's just a self-conscious issue. I think mm. they're just nervous. Like, why would a, a gringo, the most gringo looking motherfucker on the face of the planet, go to Brazil, the home of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and, and teach fucking gringo jiu-jitsu you know to the brazilians it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't make sense like how yeah. could any of these brazilians take me serious when they have like a whole just plethora of badass brazilian black belts running around their country mm. um, but i guess none of those i guess i mean i have a very unique style so maybe maybe i should go there yeah i just never thought mm. about it until someone brought it up today and i think i think i do want to go to brazil now even today i was thinking you know it's it's I hope the seminar, there's a seminar tonight. We went to, oh, well, I went to one three weeks ago. I'm also going to the one tonight. But, I mean, it's not often you get a chance to attend a seminar that is, you know, specific to, you know, the guillotine, even the hangatine, and monopilatus. You know, it's very... It's a unique seminar. It's a unique, unique seminar and yeah. system. Yeah, no one, and, else, no one else teaches it. Yeah. Um, and the only person who teaches a similar seminar is JT Torres, who's my like good friend and teammate. Mm. Um, but he's he doesn't really do guillotine so much. He does, but he does no monoplatas very well. Um, mm. and that's about it. Yeah, I think no one else really teaches it. So that's kind of what I do. I just travel the world teaching people how to yeah. do guillotines and monoplatas. I think uh, it, it's an interesting story about how you got to be, you know, where you are in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and pursuing your your passion for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, uh, you started one. off in. California and I, yeah, I'm, a Cal- yeah. I'm a Californian born, mm. born and raised mm. yeah I started wrestling in high school I didn't even want to wrestle how does that bring so many people to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because the thing is after high school you can wrestle in college right mm. um, or not uh, and it's very difficult to wrestle in college you have to be very very good but beyond that there is so then what do you do after that yeah, yeah there's right. no avenues for for wrestlers to earn a living like no one wants to join a wrestling club Mm. Like imagine we have a jiu-jitsu studio and you can have hundreds of students that want to learn jiu-jitsu. If you opened a wrestling studio, nobody would show up. Yeah. You'd probably, right. you'd probably okay. have like 10 students, you know, like mm. wrestling is fucking hard. Mm. That's what it is. Hard sport. Wrestling yeah. is fucking hard. It's really hard. And we're in the business of hard sports though. Yeah. Let's be honest. Right. Of course. And judo also. Judo mm. is fucking hard, bro. Cause it's not fun getting dropped over. It's not. Over I don't like being over, thrown. I've been, over. I've been thrown a lot. <laughs> I would imagine thousands and thousands of times, right? Yeah. Like tens of thousands, maybe. Yeah, like that just shit is not fun. That's why I don't do judo, bro. I just can't handle being thrown over Mm. and over like that. I don't want to hit the mat that many times. It just doesn't sound fun at all, even if I land perfectly. It's it's a lot it's a lot more fun to be had than it sounds, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I throw. Let's not talk people out of wrestling or judo, but I would imagine throwing people is super fun. Ah, uh, oh, that part, yeah, super that's fun, fun part, right? Yeah. But if you can thrown, overcome, if you can get up nine times, and you have you know, to be thrown to understand yeah, the techniques, yeah. right? 
You, imagine, you have to fall down there eight me, times to get up nine. Right, but. but tell me this. Like if, if I let's say I was rich, okay, and I paid ten guys to just be dummies for me to throw mm. over and over Excellent. and over and over. Yeah. Do you think I could be a really good judo player without ever being thrown myself? I don't think so. Right. You no, have to. You, you have, have to, to go through that. Yeah. You, you have you to do. feel it. Mm. Right. Same thing with jujitsu techniques. You understand them the most when you feel them being done to you. I've literally seen people be thrown thousands of times voluntarily just so they become, you know, better. Just so they move better. They fight. They, they feel it. Yeah. They have to feel it. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't want to be thrown. That's why I'm doing judo. <laughs> I don't mind being taken down. But you're a takedown specialist. Yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I am good at I'm, I'm good at you wrestling takedowns. Yeah. yeah. And wrestling's a hard sport. And I've I've adapted the, my wrestling very well in a gi. So yeah. I, I, right. do, I do this collar grip single leg, mm. sweep single with a collar grip that works really, really well. Well it's the traditional takedown system that works well with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know? Like wrestling is something they It does, yeah. Wrestling yeah. is great for for. I mean, I mean, I don't think I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's better for jujitsu than judo. Mm. I don't think it has like a distinct advantage. I, I wouldn't ever tell someone like, "Oh, wrestling is mm. a better takedown strategy than judo for jujitsu." I think they're both great. Judo, I mean, judo is where jujitsu came from. Yeah, right. Yeah, Kodokan. That's right. Yeah, and and. Nuwaza is the word that describes the ground fight mm. from a judo match, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. what is is Ashiwaza? No, Ashiwaza. What's the stand up fight? Nuwaza, Tachiwaza. Tachiwaza is the yeah. stand up. So, and then there's Nuwaza is the ground yeah. fight. Ground techniques. So, like you throw me to the ground and we continue fighting on the ground. Mm. That's Nuwaza. Yeah. And then what's Ashiwaza? It's like leg. Fight. Ashiwaza is uh, leg techniques. Sweet leg, leg yeah. techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think, no, I think, I think judo is just as good for jujitsu as wrestling. Mm. I'm just good at wrestling. Mm. Not good at judo. Mm. Well, like judo has, you know, they have a system, you know, past, um, collegiate level where wrestling don't and they transition right. past there. So that's where, you know, you progressed into your Brazilian jujitsu. Right. So that's the, after high school uh, career, I went to a, I went to a university that didn't have a wrestling team. Mm. And, uh, but I had already started jiu-jitsu at that point. So I, I just went ahead and pursued MMA and jiu-jitsu. Um, if I could have wrestled in college, I would have, but, um, I, I got accepted to two or three universities and the, the best one, the best like academic university didn't have a wrestling team, but the other one did have a wrestling team, but it wasn't a very good university. So mm. keeping my career in mind, I went to the academic university and then look what happened. <laughs> Yeah, so you were focused on your career past. I was thinking of like actually having a real career, like <laughs> like I was going to be. I was of course I, like any normal. The ideal career that I wanted was to to work for the U.S. State Department to work as a diplomat, mm. an international diplomat. I wanted to travel. That's what I wanted to do. And you did that. You experienced that, right? I joined the Peace Corps. Yeah, I got a little taste of it. Yeah, um, didn't that, like it. Yeah, I didn't love the Peace Corps. <laughs> well, I mean, the country I went to was fucking super bizarre, but. I got, I, I mean, I got a taste of the traveling, mm. which I loved, but then look what happened. Like I, I went to this academic university, didn't have a wrestling team, but I ended up going into MMA, right? And mm. then I, and, and I stayed with MMA and jujitsu. And now my career is literally wrestling. It's taking people mm. down and submitting them. It's wrestling and jujitsu. That's my career. So it would have made so much more sense for if I had known that I would end up being a professional grappler, I mm. should have went to the other university and I should have wrestled in college. Yeah. 
But if you think about it, I mean, that would have taken me down a whole different path. Yeah, like, would that have taken you further? I mean, yeah, but I could also belong to a different team. Mm. I wouldn't. Maybe I never. I would have never met Andre Gavao. Maybe I would never met right, yeah. Maybe I'd be living in New York, training at Unity or something. Mm. And maybe that team wouldn't be as good for me as Andre was. Mm. Andre was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. He's the best coach I could have ever Especially asked for. For your for me, just for my career. for my brain, like yeah. just just my personality and his personality go to what together very well. He's a great coach for me. Mm. And if I had done anything differently, I could have ended up anywhere else, and maybe my career would be very very different. Could be more successful. Could be a lot less successful. More likely, less, less successful. Yeah. Well, more. I mean, one of the best teams in the world, right? So. Yeah, so I, and- I can't complain about what the way things went down. Like I don't, I don't regret. That's the point I'm trying to make. I don't regret not going to the wrestling, the university with the wrestling team. Yeah. Although I'm sure that would have made me a better grappler. But the university I did go to put me on the path that led to where, where I am today, now. and I, I'm grateful for that because I mm. wouldn't change my life for anything. Mm. And what sparked that decision to really come back to America on that? To that peace after the peace corps peace corps mission yeah um i just I, I didn't like the peace corps at all i was in turkmenistan have you heard of Tur- yeah Tur- did you know turkmenistan, turkmenistan we, we just talked about on the last episode yeah um but i thought it was a really interesting discussion it's, and yeah I mean, yeah we can talk about it again i i'm going to preface every sentence with like i said last time <laughs> <laughs> so as i mentioned last time uh, turkmenistan is a is a fucking twilight zone country like when you get there it's, it's just really bizarre you just can't understand that this is like a real a real place mm. it's everything from a western perspective and i'm just going to preface that so you guys don't think i'm uh, culturally judging from a western perspective everything seems backwards mm. it's just a very bizarre place and it's like north korea okay it, not that anyone can imagine what north korea is like because none of you fucking listeners know what North Korea is like and even I don't if you've know been there you haven't seen the real <laughs> yeah I don't know what North Korea is like mm. but I can imagine because I was in Turkmenistan so I, I it's a it's, he's a hardcore dictator the president rules with an iron fist if you say anything bad about him you're toast like you are gone if you're a foreigner you're out of the country you're kicked out if you're a citizen you're probably going to prison you're going to lose your job your family members are going to lose their jobs your kids are going to go work in the fields and pick cotton for the government, and uh, you're going to have a you're going to seem to have like going to get harassed by the government, like Secret Service, it's going to mm. be knocking at your doors. And once you're out, you're not going back in, right? And I can't go back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wow. anyone who had served there as a volunteer or with the Peace Corps because the Peace Corps is not there anymore. Mm. They shut down the program because that government was so uncooperative that they just closed off the program. And now that I'm basically blacklisted, I can't go back to that country because I know too much. Mm. Like I know how that country functions. I know the language. I know the culture. I know how to get around. And I'm a threat. You've picked up four languages while being there, yeah? Yeah. So. I was trained in um, the native language, Turkmen. And I, sp- I speak that the best because I lived in a little village where no one spoke any other languages except that language. In the cities, they, Russian is still the dominant language mm. because Turkmenistan was part of the Soviet Union. And it still is. If you want to experience what the Soviet Union was like, you can go to Turkmenistan. It's very much unchanged since the Soviet era. Mm. It's a hermit country. Like no, information doesn't go into it. Information doesn't come out of it. It's a, it's a little black hole. I, I spent three months in Uzbekistan, and uh, okay. honestly, I think 
similar. That would be very close, but nowhere near. The, no, no, the it is. Level. It is. It is very similar. Yeah. Uzbekistan is. is a little easier to get into. Mm. It's a little more open in terms of traveling, and but the the president is just a, as much a lunatic. Yeah, Karimov. Yeah. And I think he's still the president. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and he's he one of the very few. It's only Karimov and um, Nazarbayev mm. who are the last two remaining presidents who were the Soviet leaders of those republics during the Soviet Union. Mm. So uh, Nazarbayev is the president of Kazakhstan, and he was the Soviet diplomat in charge of that country. It wasn't a country. It was just a, a republic of the Soviet Union. And then when the Soviet Union collapsed, Nazarbayev became president. Karimov became the president of Uzbekistan. And in Turkmenistan, his name was uh, Sapamurat Turkmenbashi. Um, Sapamurat is his first name. What's his last name? I wouldn't even try and say that Turkmen, if I had it in my notes. Turkmenbashi here, right? simply means the head of all Turkmen. That was his nickname. That's what he went by. Mm. Um, Niazov, I think was his last name. But he died when I got there. Yeah, he died the year that I, I served in the Peace Corps the first year. And it was actually pretty crazy because he had been in power for about 20 years over that land. Mm. And when he died... Turkmenistan had their first elections, and I was there for that. And shockingly, <laughs> they had like eight candidates, and one of them won with like ninety nine point nine percent of the vote. Who is who else has that ever happened? Quote, quote unquote. Right. He, he won, <laughs> <laughs> and it was odd because he actually looked like the old president. Like he, he just looked like a younger version. And some people like think, oh, maybe it's his son. Like maybe it's his illegitimate son. <laughs> It's a big conspiracy. But. So, so how do you go from there back on track to jujitsu? Like, where do you take it from there? Obviously, you're trying to pursue that career, and you went back to America and started coaching again. Yeah. So, so I was a blue belt, and um, I had already fought MMA for two years, and I was a blue belt in jujitsu when I left the U.S. and went to the Peace Corps because I had mm. graduated from the university, and then I because you have to you have to have a graduate a university degree to join the Peace Corps, and so when I was in Turkmenistan. Um, I just I had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to think, bro. <laughs> I'm just like in the middle of the fucking desert, no internet, no cell phones, no computers, nothing, just me and a pile of books. And like, I would teach my English classes to the students. I was an English teacher. That's what, that was my job. I was teaching to, to elementary school kids. And, uh, in the meantime, when I wasn't teaching, I'm just hanging out home with the family and just experience the culture. That's the whole point of the Peace Corps is to is to build relationships across cultural boundaries. Like I'm teaching them about the U.S. and they're teaching me about Turkmenistan. And in the meantime, I work in the school for free. And um, so that was the, the mission. The mission was simply to hang out, just hang out and be friends and talk and learn the language, tell them about the US, United States, tell them that, you know, we're actually not a, a, a lunatic country that just invades, you know, any country we want, <laughs> whenever we want and... And their job is to make me understand that Turkmen people are not like their president either. You know, they're just like normal people who want to raise families and, and have farms and live life. Hmm. And that's the mission. What conclusion did you come to about your your mission? You know, what you wanted out of life and where you wanted to go with it? I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just people, right? It doesn't matter how different we are or where we live or, or what country we live in. At the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want a comfortable place to live we want food we want to have kids and and have celebrations with each other over whatever various things you know parties birthday parties you know like train jujitsu together like it would mm. all we really want 
is companionship and comfort mm. just to live life right to just enjoy the people around you and that's all, that's all they wanted they just wanted to enjoy their lives and they didn't they didn't need a lot of possessions to do that their communities are much stronger than our communities back in california their their community their village is a community san diego is not really a community right san diego is a big city it's a lot of people and i would argue that they're I guess I can't compare a big city to a little village, but their communities, like my hometown is called Temecula. It's like, it's a small city. It's probably a hundred thousand people. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't have that same kind of community that these people have because these people rely on each other. Mm. You have eggs. I have potatoes. Let's trade. Right. I have cows. You have chickens. We can trade. Like we rely on each other. It's I can't currency for, yeah, for I can't grow product. every crop that I want to eat. And you can't grow every crop that you want to eat. And you can't raise every animal that you want to eat. So you have to take care of a few animals. The other neighbor has to take care of some animals. And I'll take care of some other animals. And we can trade. Hmm. This is how human civilization started. Came up, right. yeah. Um, and, and we kind of, I think we lose. Backward all began. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I was calling it backwards, right? Turkmenistan. But like, if you think about it, maybe we're backwards in California. Because we don't have that sense of community anymore. Like we don't trade. Mm. with your neighbors mm. and sometimes maybe like a cup of sugar is is that why you enjoy jujitsu you know there's a lot of community around that and it's there's a very a, you know a bit of a brotherhood it is absolutely. right absolutely and there's that connection you know culture i think it's i think that's what people are missing in their lives mm. is community and that's really what people want they want to belong to something that's why people join jujitsu because you be exactly you, you're joining a team and people like that they mm. like being a part of something that they can rally behind. Like, oh, this is our team, Team Autos. And, like, you have the shirts. And, like, we all get together to watch the UFCs. And we get together to watch jiu-jitsu tournaments. And you can go to tournaments together and root for each other. And, like, everybody loves that sense of belonging. And you don't get that same sense of belonging at your job, right? Your career, whatever that may be. You work in the office and you got fucking Karen down the hallway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe you get along with some of the people you work with, but you don't really get to choose them. And, and maybe you maybe get along with a few people at work, maybe you don't. But like at the, at, at the end of the day, it's your job. It's your work. You have to be there whether you like it or not. And, and so you, you, I don't think you can be as comfortable as you can at something like a jiu-jitsu where like you're there voluntarily. Everyone wants to be there. Mm. And everyone is just kind of there to learn and to better themselves. You know, and maybe in, at, at the office, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a community in, in, in the, your office space. But at the end of the day, you're all competing against each other to get promotions, right? To make money, to get above everyone else. So how much community can you really have in an office situation? Mm. Probably not much. I don't know. I haven't worked in an office in years, so. <laughs> Neither have I. Yeah, nor do, <laughs> I, ever want to, nor do no. I ever want to ever again. What do you think you've got from the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood? What do you think you've got from that community? Everything. everything. My life is mm. Jiu-Jitsu. Like this community is everything to me. Like my, everything I do is for the jiu-jitsu community. Mm. Like, I have a podcast. It's it's simply a gift to the jiu-jitsu community. I, I, I have sponsors that give that pay me, but, like, it's not anything that... It's not money that I need. I don't need that money to survive. It just helps pay for the expenses that I have. Pays for my microphones and whatever. It, it literally costs me to produce a podcast yeah. and put information out there for right. people. And, and that's that's my passion. I want to put that out there. But I'm sure it's the same for you. Even with yeah. those sponsors, it still costs you that time. It yeah. costs you that money. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the time I put into the podcast, 
I can make way more money doing mm, other that's things, right. teaching yeah. seminars or private lessons or whatever. Mm. Like the, the podcast is a gift. And this is why it's so upsetting when people message me and complain. Well, fuck up one <laughs> and then you have to do two. <laughs> people, the people that complain to me all the time, like, oh, oh really? the volume, the volume is not high enough or like, or you need more episodes. Like I do an episode a week. That's a fucking lot. It's not enough. It's, yeah. not, it's not enough. They're like, oh, can you do two episodes a week? Or like if I miss a week because I'm traveling, like doing my actual job. Um, they complain like, oh, where's the, where's the episode? Or like, if I if I do the audio only, they complain that I don't I don't have a video on YouTube for them. It's like, All right, fuck yeah. you guys. You know, like, I, I really, it's so <laughs> irritating. It's like, yeah, seriously, it's a big fat fuck you. Like, that's, in my mind, it's a fuck you. I'm doing this for free. I'm not charging you. It's a gift, and it takes time, a lot of time. Yeah, I, I know mind. just how much. Yeah, I can I can relate. It's not easy podcasting. Not you know, easy. It's just like if you don't like it, don't listen to it. It's fine. It doesn't. I won't. I won't cry over it. You know. Don't listen to it. I, there's other people that will listen to it, and that's fine. I'll probably podcast even if only one person listened to it, but because I enjoy it. But man, when people message me and complain, it's so aggravating. I just want to slap them. I just want to slap them. Like if I ever saw somebody, and then, of course they would never complain to my face, right? Only on no. only on messenger. <laughs> only on messenger or in the comment section they'll complain. They would never complain to my face. No. Everyone who has ever met me in person is like, "Oh, I love your podcast." They've never complained to my face. It's funny that. Funny that. Right. Um, I hate your podcast, man. Stay over there, but, though. <laughs> no, everything, everything I do is for the community, man. I write articles mm. for the mm. community. I write Instagram posts that, I, and I try to make them like educational or inspirational or something. I always try to give back to the community because the jiu-jitsu community has given me so much mm. like they, it gave me the life that i've always wanted it's just travel and train jiu-jitsu and that's it that's all i do i travel i teach jiu-jitsu i compete i travel some more and that's it and that this is the dream life for me and you know i was, I was saying earlier that i always wanted to be the work for the state department as a diplomat um but i think and i wanted to do that because i love traveling but look, I, I have what I wanted. Hey, here you are. Yeah, and I have way more freedom now than I probably ever could have working for the State Department. Almost and I probably make more money this way too. Because government salaries are notoriously not very big, right? There's a lot of perks. And in some right? of those countries you're going to are notoriously restricted. Shit, yeah, <laughs> shit countries, yeah. yeah. So I think, I, I, think I, I really ended up in a much better situation than I, than mm. I could have been if I had stayed on that professional career path. But now you're with Atos. How do you think uh, Andre and Atos team has influenced your your life? Well, Andre is is like the greatest human being ever. Like he's mm. just he's got a heart of gold, and he literally just transformed my life. Like so. So actually, I think I told the whole story about how I found Atos, huh? Last on the last yeah, episode. You did. Actually, you I, did. I'll recap that yeah. real quick. So when I was in the Peace Corps and sitting in the, the middle of the desert doing nothing um, for two years, reading books and teaching English and drinking a lot of vodka. Holy fuck, those people love to drink vodka. Yeah, forced upon you. Most, most it do. is literally forced upon you. And if you don't do it, they, they get really offended. It's, it's an offense. They get really offended. And if you drink with one person and you don't drink with someone else, they're, they really will not like you. They will think you're an asshole. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you drink. Like, if I saw you, if I saw, like, like Jess, if she had a drink with you, like, one day and then, like, the next week later... I'm like, hey, Jess, come have a drink with me. And she's like, no, I don't really feel like it. Like, I would be offended. Like, oh, what do you mean? I saw you drink with Mark last week. Like, you don't, you don't want to drink with me. Like, oh, you must hate me. And now I hate you. Like, it really is serious business. Like, serious business, that vodka. So, like, yeah, I had to drink a lot of vodka out there. And their vodka is notoriously bad. 
It's like drinking gasoline. And now so you're anyways, immune to that. Uh, I, I won't anyway. touch. I won't touch vodka. Oh, you won't touch I will not touch it, bro. <laughs> I, I don't touch liquor at all anymore. Um, but I had a lot of time to think to myself, and basically all I realized was I really love jujitsu. That's what I realized when I was in Turkmenistan. It's like I realized how great my life back home is. You know, after having nothing for two years, living like a peasant, I I realized I love jujitsu so much. And like when I came back to the U.S., I, the first thing I did, I just jumped right back into jujitsu full time. I didn't have a job, I didn't have anything. I just said I had some friends that had a gym, and I just I went and I moved in with them, and I just started training every day full time. I was a blue belt back then, so um, and I just never stopped. It it, it, mm. it I just realized how much passion I had for this art that. Once it was taken away from me, I realized how much I needed it back in my life. And so when I came back to the U.S., I just went all in for jiu-jitsu. So I moved to Arizona. I became a full-time instructor for three years. Um, Arizona kind of sucks. No offense, Arizona. I mean, I kind of love some of you guys out there, but... Do I know it? I'm not offended. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they're they're listening, maybe they're not. Arizona kind of sucks. It's hot. It's dusty. It's full of crime. Um, it's a hyper, hyper conservative state. You know, you can't even smoke cannabis legally there. Like what kind of shit is that? <laughs> sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like a lot of places I know, but <laughs> I mean, I'm from California, right? So anyways, um, and then I went to Indiana for graduate school. Um, I got a master's degree in finance and central Eurasian studies. And that's where I met Andre at a seminar. And I trained with Andre at his seminar and he invited me to come back to San Diego and train with him full time. And he said, he promised me he'll make me a world champion. And I said, okay, that sounds really great. It's like the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, but I had these a scholarship, so I couldn't walk away from my scholarship because I'd have to repay it, right? Mm-hmm. I'd, already, I'd already accepted the scholarship yeah, right. money and I already paid the tuition. Yeah. So if I walked away from it, I, I, would have, I would have to pay that scholarship money back. So I had to finish off the program. Um, and he kept putting pressure on me. He's like, gosh, I need you to come to California. I need you to train with me. And I was like, it, it, he he probably he did this to me for about a year, and then I and then when I graduated, I I did it. I said, okay, yeah, I'll go try it out for six months. I'm gonna go train jujitsu full time for six months and see how it goes, see how I like it. And um, and I didn't win the world championships. I lost like first round. It was terrible. I was super sad. And then um, I said, no, you know what? I'll give it six more months because I still had some money in my bank. I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't completely broke yet. Um, and I, I did, I did for six more months or I went for a year, a year, full-time jujitsu for mm. one year. And then at that point I had kind of sustained myself. I, had, I was making enough money to survive, pay my bills, eat gas money, whatever. And then, um, at one year I was like, fuck, do I really want to go back to an office job? Like, could I do after one year of full-time jujitsu training? Like, I was like, can mm. I, can I go back to an office job? And I was like talking to Andre about it and. He's very supportive. He'll just kind of like go with whatever you want to do. He'll support you no matter what. And uh, I decided, no. I said, I'll, I'll, I'm going to keep doing this until I run out of money. So as long as I can keep paying my bills and I can make enough money to eat and survive and pay rent and whatever, I'll say, I'm going to keep doing it. And when I run out of money, I'll go get a real job. And I just never ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> Five years later. And then every year, it just got better. Every year, I made more money and more money. And then... I, and then uh, I think two years into it, I won the World Championships final. Mm. So Andre fulfilled his promise. And he told me he was going to do it in one year, but it took me like two, two and a half. But eventually I won the World Championships in 2016. And it was like the, one of the best moments of my life. And it was at that moment that I realized I could just continue doing this full time forever. Like I, I can just be a jiu-jitsu guy. 
for the rest of my life and I'll be happy and I'll make enough money to be comfortable. And luckily enough, I won it again the next year and then I won it again the next year. Mm. Um, so, uh, and to this date, I'm the only athlete Andre ever recruited. He's never recruited an athlete like that. Like told them, like, I need you to come here and train with me. Yeah, you're going to be a world champion. Yeah, he's never mm. done that to anyone. I was the only athlete he ever recruited. And I was the only athlete he ever slapped. In the <laughs> slapping, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah the right. Slapping 2013, he got his black belt. And uh, this is a story, right? Yeah, so so the, the, so the tradition is when you get your black belt, um, the, the person who promotes you has to throw you with a, like, a judo throw. And then, I don't know, it's not hard. It's just like a nice, gentle, like, it's like a, it's just a symbolic thing. I don't, I don't even know what, why people, do you know why people do that? Do they do it in judo? No. No, huh? They slap you. That's weird. They yeah. slap you. No, they don't. They don't slap um, you. Do they throw you? Uh, when no. You, when you got your black belt, no. do they do It's very anything? ceremonious. Yeah. Very official. Okay, so yeah. you're supposed to get thrown. So Andre's standing in front of me. There's about a hundred people in this room. And um, he goes, grab my, grab my collars. And I grab his collar and his sleeve. And I'm like, it felt weird. I didn't understand why he was making me grab the grips that I was grabbing. And like, I see him smirking, you know, and I was like, oh, something's going to happen. Oh, something's gonna happen you know? <laughs> and I let go of one. And then he goes, no, 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 hold it, hold it. And then, boom, he just slaps me so hard. Like, like really shocked me, man. Like, just palm to face. Like, not, it wasn't a gentle slap. He fucking whacked me. And everyone in the room was like, oh. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, I just, you know, whatever, I took it. I couldn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to make a scene. I didn't even care, to be honest. I, didn't, I was so happy at the, at the moment I was getting my black belt. Like, I didn't care. I was, I was like, <laughs> not, nothing could have ruined that moment for me. But I was curious why he did that. Because he didn't do it to the other guy who got his black belt that day, too. Who that just happens to be one of my best friends. Um, and he did not slap Evan. And I asked him, like, way later. I said, hey, professor, like, why did you, why did you slap me? He goes, he goes, well, there's a, there's an old, um, I don't know if it's a judo master or a, some kind of some kind of old martial arts instructor, right? Just this old legendary guy. His, his it's Antonio something. I can't remember his last name. It might be Neto. Uh, it might be Braga. I, I can't remember. But the legend Brazilian anyway. The legend is that if this man slapped you, you would become a world champion. And he's he's famous because he slapped Leota Machida before mm. he, Leota won the UFC champ, uh, belt. Right. And I guess people would literally line up to get slapped by this guy. And it was just believed that if this man slapped you, you become a world champion. Mm. And so Andre, having belief that I would become a world champion, slapped me. But I didn't realize at the time. And he told me later. He's like, yeah. I just, he's like, Next I, minute, world champion. He goes, I believed you would become a world champion. So I slapped you. Sweet. And it worked out. <laughs> it worked out. So. Everything's good in the but, end. But yeah. So, so you well, forgave him, obviously. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. No, everything he does. Is, so what I meant to has say is. Yeah, good he, intent He has pure it, intentions yeah. behind everything he does. Mm. And. And, and he's the kind of guy who gives it to you straight. You know, if he has a problem with you, he's going to sit you down in front of him and you're going to hash it out in person, face to face, not on the phone, not text. He's going to pull you into the office and sit you down and we're going to mm. talk. And he doesn't like lecture you. He just talks to you and it's a conversation. And he just doesn't want, you know how, you know how things can get really bad if you let them go? Like, yeah, if, if, like, like hypothetically, if, we, if you and I had a problem and we just ignore it. And it's just like every day we kind of we, we kind of uh, we kind of avoid each other, and like as time goes by, you start to not like each other because it's this mm. discomfort, animosity, yeah, and yeah. All those kind of things. He just doesn't want he doesn't want that to happen, so he just nips it in the butt straight straight yeah. away. Like as soon as there's a problem, he sits down, mm. you guys hash it out, you say what you got to say, I say mm. what I got to say. If we agree to disagree, that's okay, but at least we talked about it and we understand where each other's coming from. 
So there's no animosity buildup. And that's kind of what he does. And I really appreciate that about him because he's forced me to sit down and talk about things that I didn't want to talk about. Yeah. But in the end, it was better. It was always better. He's just a great coach, man. He changed my whole mindset about how to approach competitions, how to approach training. He changed my jiu-jitsu completely. Like just the way I approach jiu-jitsu. I feel like given our last podcast, last discussion, you know, what I really got from that was you know all the self-belief he gave you all the confidence and all those lessons of focus and how to channel all of that into becoming a a world champion you obviously had it there and he saw it in you yeah and uh you know all it took was you know honing yeah he used to believe in me when i didn't believe in myself man you know one of the biggest tournaments i ever won in my life was called acb it was the absolute championship barricade and it was hosted by the russians uh sorry they're chechens they live in russia but Chechnya is a part of Russia, um, but they're not Russians. They're Chechens, okay? And they had this this big tournament, and they they w- had just massive amounts of money for the, the cash prize, w- the the winnings. Massive amounts. Like hmm. the best payment per, like I've ever seen for a, a person to win. And they invited me to this tournament, and it was like eight-man bracket. And it was like seven Brazilians who are super badass, and then me. And it was in Rio. And it was... Uh, I never thought I could win it, man. I was like, but the pay, the payment system was so good that even if you got second place, you were getting paid pretty well. Even if you got to the semifinals and got third place, you got paid pretty well. So I was like, fuck, okay, if I can just get to the semifinals, like win the first round, get to the second round, maybe I win, maybe I don't, but I, I never planned on winning it. And uh, Andre would come up to me and he's like, Josh, oh my God, you're going to win this thing. It's going to be so great. You're going to make all that cash. And it was like, yeah, it's I mean, great. if you submitted all of your opponents, because it was a, the pay scale was very complex. If you won by points or if you won by mm. submission. Best performance, really. That's yeah. what they're looking for. The best, the better your performance yeah. is, the better you're getting One paid. of those competitions where they pull the, the money bag with all the wads of cash out of the yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 And if you if you submitted people, you were going to get paid. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, Josh, you're going to get all, you're going to make all this money. It's going to change your life. And I just like, I, just, I never believed I would win it. I, just, mm. I believed I was going to do well. I was going to be on the podium, but I didn't think I was going to win it. And uh, he's like, yeah, you're going to win it. You're going to get all this money. And I was like, I was telling him, stop it. Like, stop, man. You're making me uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I, maybe I will win, but but maybe not, you know? And he's like, no, you're going to win. He's like, you're going to win. I know you are. And I didn't even believe it myself, man. But when I, when I showed up to that tournament, I destroyed it. Mm. I killed everyone. Mm. I submitted everyone in minutes. Mm. First round, I, and it was all three guys I went against were world champ, black belt world champions. Oh, Izaki right. Bayinsi was a black belt world champion in the gi. I submitted him in a minute and a half. Second round, uh, Hugo Marquez, no gi mm. world champion, 2017, yeah. I think. I submitted him in a minute and a half. Fastest submission of the night. Finals, um, another guy, also no gi world champion, 2017, I think. And I submitted him with a How did you get an invite to this? If you know all, all these yeah. world champions. Well, I was also there. I was also Nogi World Champion. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah, I was I was 2016 Nogi World Champion. Yeah. That's how I got that okay. fight. Right. Yeah, and I submitted that guy with a go with a Gogo Plata in the finals, hmm. and uh, yeah, and I and I won the, the best submission of the night. Legit. And, yeah, I got the fastest submission of the night, best submission of the night. It was a, literally the best performance I've ever had. Obviously, in, one of in those one memories day. that sticks with you. Where like yeah, like I've won big tournaments, but I never submitted everyone hmm. in the whole tournament. Yeah. Like every round, I submitted the guy. Yeah. And it was the best performance I ever had. And, and and to this day, like I think back to that and like, man, Andre, he forced me to believe that I was gonna win. Mm. Even though I didn't even though I didn't believe I was gonna win. He believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And I understand the power of self belief. 
It's a mm. big deal. What advice would you give someone, you know, looking to attain that next level of performance? So here's the thing. In terms of self-belief. There's a problem in the martial arts community where they, they think confidence is a bad thing, right? If you're confident, mm. it gets well, mistaken as arrogance. Arrogance, cockiness. Right? Cockiness. Yeah. And there is a fine line between the two. I think the difference is simply respect. If, if you're arrogant, it means you're confident in yourself and you're not respecting other people. Maybe you think you're better than everyone else, mm. right? That's arrogance and cockiness when you're like, oh, I'm better than all these people. Like, I'm so good. That's arrogance. But confidence is, I think, is being able to believe in yourself, but also respecting the fact that everyone else is good too, right? But of course, mm. but you have to believe in yourself first. You have to believe that you are capable of beating people and that if you want to, mm. you can. Um, it, as long as you believe that, okay, other people are also very good and they can beat you and on any day. Any day you can have a bad day and they can have a good day and you could lose. I think that's confidence, okay? Um, the key to having confidence is just knowing that you're prepared for anything that anyone can throw at you, Right? You know, I know that like, okay, if I fight this kind of guy, I, it's like, yeah, he's good. And he could beat me if I'm not on my toes. But if, if I stay focused and I'm on my game and, and I do everything right, I should win. Okay, this is confidence. The only way you can build that confidence is by training your fucking ass off, mm. right? By being prepared. If you're not prepared, you can't be confident. Mm. Your confidence is fake. It's bullshit. It's like, you, you, you've seen people at competitions too who kind of like, they walk the walk. Like they try really hard to like, in the warm-up area, they're trying to act like the toughest dude in there. Like they have the angry face. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They, they have their hoodie on, their <laughs> headphones. Us, yeah. They're fucking like looking at everyone like, like with, the, with the angry eyebrows. Yeah. You know, they're trying to be really hard. and like trying to, them. They're trying to intimidate people. Mm. Those guys are full of shit. No, they're false. They're, that's false confidence. Mm. If they were truly confident, they wouldn't feel the need to do that. Mm. they would just know that they're going to win, right? But they wouldn't have to walk that walk and act mm. like a tough guy. And and I believe when people are not truly prepared, physically or mentally, mm. they have to like compensate with this kind of showmanship, this peacocking that they do. But if you train your fucking ass off, like you are truly prepared, your cardio is like tip-top, your reaction times are tip-top, Right? You know that you can do a 10-minute fucking scramble and you're gonna come out and, and not, yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna come out on top and you're not gonna get tired. If you're if you truly believe that you can hang with anyone, no matter what they throw at you, that's true confidence, right? And you don't have to peacock mm. if you have that inside of you, right? If you'd really prepared yourself accordingly for a competition. Um it, it, it sounds really simple, right? Just saying, oh, you have to be prepared. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, if you're really prepared for a tournament, you should be confident. Like you, I believe that comes from a, a belief in the time you've spent on the mat and you've done everything you possibly could to prepare with an intelligent and structured approach to your training and you made the best effort you possibly could to, to approach that. Yeah. So like Andre always says like, when you prepare for a training camp, you have to create a schedule. Maybe it's eight weeks, maybe it's 10 weeks, maybe it's six. Depends. Um, if you fulfill that schedule with a, 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 everything you, you can, if you do everything you can do to prepare yourself, you don't skip days, you don't kind of 
make up excuses to skip a training session here and there. If you really fulfill that schedule and you give every session your best effort, that's the other thing. Yeah, you could show up to training, sure. But if you're not giving your best effort, you're not really training the way you should be training, right? So on tournament day, when you're standing on the edge of that mat and you're going to walk out there and you realize all the preparation is done, you can't, there's no more time to do anything else. Like what you've done is what you've done and that's that. You're going to know whether you're prepared or not. You're going to know in the back of your mind if you did everything correctly or not. And if you didn't do everything that you should have done, you're going to have doubt. You're going to have doubt in your mind and you're going to have to fucking deal with that. That's going to be your fucking problem. That's mm. your burden to bear. Mm. And you have to walk out on that mat and face that opponent with that doubt in your mind. And that's a problem. That's why people lose mm. is they have doubt. Okay. But if you really prepared yourself and you did everything you were supposed to do and you ran all the miles you were supposed to run, you, you did all the deadlifts that you were supposed to do, you did all the training rounds you were supposed to do. You're going to walk out there like, nah, bitch, I'm ready for this. Like, there's nothing this fucking guy is going to bring to me that I didn't already experience with my teammates, with my training sessions, with my cardio sessions. You should be fully prepared with the end. Like, you have your techniques down. Like, you have your strategy down. That's true confidence. That's how you go out and, and fight a match and, and have supreme confidence. And when you do have supreme confidence, like real confidence, you don't need a peacock. You don't need to be like a tough guy. You can be a friendly competitor. You can be a nice guy. You can be polite to people. You don't have to like put this image of, of, in front of everyone to mm. like show them that you're so tough and scary. You don't. You won't need that. You're not going to feel the need for that. Um. So yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, that is next level. I think that's what the listeners, what, what insight they they want to you know your career and you know I think your social media. It's it's all over it, you know. Talking about focus yeah, and hard work. Talking about that hard work, that determination, and and that's awesome. If you're not following Josh on social media, yeah, give him a follow because at King or BJJ. That's it. Yeah, um, great content. Well, the thing is, I used to think I knew what hard training was before mm. I joined Atos. I thought I knew what hard training was. I thought I was training in Arizona. I was running my own little team. Mm. Um, it was like an MMA jiu-jitsu gym with a little boxing area. And they had a weight section, and I thought I trained hard. I thought doing like four rounds of seven minutes, I thought that was hard training. I was like, four mm. rounds of seven minutes. Now you're doing like, 16. Bro, if I don't, that was like. <laughs> We're the best in the world. Right. So, like, think right. seven rounds of four, four times, it's 28 minutes. It's like not even half an hour of training. At Autos, it's a minimum one hour sparring time. Mm. You can mix and match the minutes and rounds however you want, but it's always going to add up to about an hour. And it's going to be an hour with the toughest dudes in the world. And if you can do an hour of hard training with you, won't have one easy roll. Right? You're not, well, yeah, you're not going <laughs> to have. You can't go. Even the purple belts are tough. Yeah, you know yeah. the purple belts are. I believe it. Yeah, like you're a purple belt. You're super tough. Like you're one of those guys that like, like if if I was if I had like lined up like three black belt rounds and I wanted the easy round, like I wouldn't look to Mark Brewer or purple belt. It's like oh, this is an nah. easy round. Like no, our, the purple belts are tough. The brown belts they are, are tough. Are. There's some blue belts. There's some blue belts that are savages that I have a hard time. The young ones that have like endless cardio, you know? Yeah. There's no easy rounds. Um, and that's the way it should be. You shouldn't have easy rounds because you're not going to have easy rounds at the tournament. Mm. No one at the tournament is going to have a flow roll with and you. No matter what club you're in, you need to be looking for the biggest, baddest. Yeah. And that's the mothers thing. Mothers on the mat. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you not curse on this podcast? 
Oh, I just, I'm just kidding. kidding. Are you in cursing? No, I'm not I was. That's what I'm saying. I am cursing. Oh, are you? I, I didn't oh, even notice that. Okay. Eh? It's okay. Nah, that's fine. I don't care it's at all. It's Australian, bro. Say what you like, the, brother. This is the capital of cursing. Fuck. <laughs> you, guys, you guys have words that you say here that we're not allowed to say in the States. Yeah. You know what word that is? Uh, I'm not, nah, I'm not going to kiss. <laughs> I won't say it. Uh, it, it, make, it makes yeah. me uncomfortable to say it, but yeah, right. say, New Zealanders say it a lot too. Um, anyways, but yeah, um, I lost my train of thought. The point is, guys, you have to train your asses off if you want confidence, okay? And and the thing is, you have to train so hard mm. that you get beat up sometimes, right? Mm. You have to have such hard rounds back to back to back that, yeah, eventually you're going to be so exhausted that you're going to get your ass kicked. What's the difference between training hard and training smart in your approach to your okay. training? I think a lot of people use training smart as an excuse. Yeah. It's an excuse okay. to, to, not, to not train hard. I think yeah. it's a cop-out. I could see people doing that, it's right? It's a cop-out, right? Yeah. But there is a thing. Where's that line for you? Such as training smart. And I think training smart is training fucking hard. That's the smart way to train. If you're not training hard. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not training hard, yeah. uh, you're not going to win. You're not going to win, period. It doesn't matter how fucking smart, quote, unquote. You can't see my fingers right now, but I'm doing the quotes, air quotes. You, quote, it doesn't fucking matter how smart your training is. If you're not training hard, you're not going to win. That's just that, okay? You can show up to a competition, and if you do everything exactly as you're supposed to, you might win. Mm. If the stars align, the referee doesn't fuck you, if you don't make a mistake. There's a many things that can go wrong, even when you prepare yourself exactly the way you're supposed to exactly the way that any that if i, don't, I can't even imagine i don't want to name even it. if you do all these things you've mentioned previously if you even do if, them if you perfectly do everything right and everything. shit happens yeah. you might not win mm-hmm. if you don't do them correctly you're definitely not going to win right mm-hmm. so you have to prepare yourself for the worst possible day yeah you have to prepare yourself in a perfect way to give yourself an opportunity to win it's just an opportunity. It doesn't mean you're going to win. Shit happens, man. People make mistakes. It happens. You could mm. trip. You could stub your toe on accident. Anything could happen. You could pop your finger out in the middle of the match or whatever. Um, I've seen people break their metacarpals in their hand in the middle of the match on accident. You know, it's like, it's just a, well, free, it's a freak accident. And, and yeah, maybe you win that round, but the next round you can't do anything. You're going to lose. It happens. Shit happens. Referees make mistakes too. Maybe the referee fucks mm. you over on accident. It's just purely an accident. Nothing you can do about it. Um, but if you don't prepare yourself correctly, you're definitely not going to win. Does that make sense? Is this why you have such an, an affinity with conditioning and being ultimately the fittest one on the mat? Well, imagine this. Right? Okay, Imagine this. Let's pretend Mark Brewer has unlimited cardio. You, nev- you never get tired. Yeah. Like literally limitless. Like it's, it's this is like supernatural, right? Yeah. Let's say you have a hypothetical. Un- hypothetical you have an unlimited gas tank. You'll never get tired. You can go full sprint for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, and you'll never get tired. You never have to slow down. Okay? You're just a freak. Okay? Do you really think anyone could beat you? If you put that, that high-level pace on anyone nonstop for 10 straight minutes, a full-on sprint. If I said yes, people would be thinking I'm cocky. But... <laughs> no, no, fuck no. I'll say it. I'll say it. Okay. If I had unlimited cardio and I never got tired and I can go a full sprint, like scramble pace, like the fastest yeah, pace, the yeah. fastest pace you can imagine, and you never got tired. And other everyone else is a normal human who gets tired at a certain point. 
do you really think anyone could beat me? Fuck no. Nah. Fuck nah. no. Even a blue belt. Because, man, I train with some of these kids that have, like, really good cardio. They're young. They're teenagers. Yeah. Bro, I get I get tired when I mount them and I'm trying to hold them down. And they're just <laughs> – they won't stop bump, bumping. They just keep bumping and wiggling and shaking. And they won't mm. they won't accept the position. They, they, they never get tired. And I get fucking tired trying to control them. I get mm. tired. And that's like, fuck, man. If you never got tired, you would never lose. Assuming you have some basic understanding of the sport, right? Mm. You're assuming you're competing. Yeah, you're competing in your appropriate level. If you can never get tired, you will never lose. Because look, when you are in a bad position, you have to accept the bad position, okay? So like when someone passes your guard and they get side control and the referee puts up three fingers for three points, the referee is not giving the points to you, okay? The person who accepted the bad position is giving the points up mm. because they don't give you the points until the bottom person stops fighting and wiggling. The top person has to have control. Mm. And if the bottom person is continual, like is hip escaping, moving, bumping, shaking, and there's no like control that's established, the points are never awarded. The points only come mm. when the, the person in the bad <clears throat> position stops resisting. Now, in some cases, the top player can like lock down the position so tight that the, uh, the bottom person literally cannot wiggle. Even if they're trying, they're trying to wiggle and mm. they, they can't. Then, of course, the, they have control. The control is established and the points are awarded. But in a lot of cases, uh, like if you pass my guard, if I keep fighting and fighting and wiggling and fighting and I'm just, I won't accept it. I'm just trying to fight. I'm, I'm wiggling every inch I can. I'm trying to get back out of it. I have to make a decision at some point, like, fuck, how much energy am I willing to expend trying to get out of this bad position before I become exhausted? And mm-hmm. then you're fucked, right? It, when you become exhausted from, from trying to escape a bad position, at some point you're going to get exhausted. You're going to burn out your gas tank and then you're super fucked because now you're tired and you're in a bad position. So now there's no chance of recovery. You're fucked. You have to make a, a decision at some point that you have to stop and conserve your energy and wait for the person to make a move. So you're saying if you had infinity gas, you never got gassed, you wouldn't have to make that decision. You, you could just, just wiggle. Keep, keep going. You just keep bumping. He gets tired. You can keep bumping. Turn you down. Yeah. So if you were on side control on top of me and I just kept bumping, kept bumping, kept bumping, and I can do this forever. I can do it for 10 straight minutes and you and I'll never get tired. You're going to get more tired trying to hold me down than I'm going to get because I can't get tired, right? I have unlimited gas. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right, you're gonna get more tired. You're probably gonna let the fucking position go and let me recover my guard because you're Before becoming you waste gas. You're becoming like you exhausted. Yeah, you're gonna become exhausted. And if you mm. whoever becomes exhausted first, they're dead. You lose. That's mm. it. That's what jujitsu is. Jujitsu is simply an efficient way to grind down the other person. And then when they become tired, they lose. Mm. Does that make sense? Makes jiu-jitsu sense. is simply an efficient way to use leverage and mechanics against another opponent. Well, what is the point of leverage and mechanics? The use point, your efficiency to beat down their efficiency. Yeah, I'm trying to use less energy. And I'm trying to make you use more energy so that one of us runs out of energy first and we lose. Hmm. This is the same thing as a Street Fighter video games when they have the power bar. Every yeah. punch makes their power bar go down a little bit. And when the power bar is all the way down, they lose. They get knocked out. They're dead. Hmm. They ran out of energy or consciousness, both. It's the same thing in jiu-jitsu. I'm using my techniques 
to put you in positions where you have to work really hard to get back to a, a, a neutral position. And if I can do that to you enough times, you're going to get really tired. And when you get tired, you're easy, to, say, easy yeah. to kill. They say, what do they say? Exhaustion makes cowards of, of brave. Of a soul. Yeah. Something Comfort like makes cowards of soul. That's the quote. Let me think. It's Otherwise, like, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it's, it has to do with, it's like exhaustion will make a coward of all men. Mm. Or something like that. So it's like Sounds when, about right. Pretty Sounds much good. whoever gets tired first, you're going you're gonna to run away. Mm. Like you're not going to, you can't stand and fight if you're exhausted. You know what I mean? You have, yeah. you have, to, you have to bail. You have to jump ship and, and run away or, or just give up. Mm. So anyways, the moral of the story is having a great gas tank is, is it helpful? 100%. 100%. You know I'm going to agree. Fighters Performance Podcast. Fighters <laughs> Performance Podcast. Yeah. It yeah. is a massive cornerstone of your performance. And if you're not you're doing that, do that. Imagine this. Imagine you have perfect jiu-jitsu. Okay, Mark Brewer, you have perfect black belt. But no gas tank. But no there gas tank at all. Yeah, no gas tank at all. Shit. I bet a simple, oh, a simple blue belt with a really good gas tank will beat you. Mm. Right? And good fundamentals. Yeah, yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah, you have to have a basic knowledge, of course. Basic. Like, basic. So, Even the most basic. Yeah. But, but if, if I have no gas tank, Right. If you I'm get done. If you get tired in one minute, mm. you're, you're not going to be able to fight. You can't. It doesn't matter how good your jiu-jitsu is. If you don't have the gas tank, you're not going to be able to survive. Hmm. That makes sense, right? Yeah, total sense. That is, that's a great con- conclusion. To everyone condition. wants like everyone wants to say, oh, but you got to have beautiful jiu-jitsu. Like your technique, technique over everything, beyond everything. Yes. But what does technique do? Technique is, like I said, it's leverage and mechanics. Why is leverage important? Because it takes a small amount of force to execute a large amount of of leverage over something else that's much larger like mm. a pulley system you mm. know it's like but it still takes energy yeah it's like no how, a, a pulley system it's like how can i pull like an engine block out of a car with just my arms mm. right i can't lift it out with my arms right that's very difficult to bicep curl the engine out of the car with your biceps mm. no but if you have a pulley system leverage and mechanics mm. you can literally just pull with two hands one person can just pull the rope and pull the engine out of the car Hopes you know and that's yeah. That's what it is. Jiu-jitsu is just an efficient way to use your energy while you're in combat. Mm. So if you have a gas tank and efficient jujitsu with efficient leverage and mechanics, you're going to be able to grind down the opponent. And then when you grind them down, push them to a level where they, they, where they can't, they, they can't fight back and then they lose. Of course things happen where like, you know, 30 second submissions happen all the time, which yeah. is great. If you have, Awesome jiu-jitsu, no gas tank, like, and you can execute a 30-second submission in every match. Good for you. You're a fucking a phenom. You're amazing. Mm. You know, the but, next world champ. But not everyone can can pull that off. You know, like sometimes yes, but not always. Mm. Uh, on another, like, where do you see Brazilian jiu-jitsu going in the next five years? Oh, I have no idea. This is a big, big question. <laughs> Dropped on you. No, no, I I think it's expanding rapidly. Mm. And I think it's because of the jiu-jitsu has a very tight relationship with MMA. And MMA is like, the I think, the fastest growing. Combat. And still, yeah. We said that years ago, but still, it's still, still growing, growing still expanding. Yeah. It, MMA huge. is huge. Everyone loves, like, no one watches boxing fights anymore. Everyone's all about the UFC. Mm. Boxers Everyone, would still say they do, but. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, but I've known, I, I knew a guy, actually, mm. the guy who I used to work for in Arizona. He was a boxer. He was an old school boxer. And even he said, like, the boxing industry is dead. And, it, and it's not... Mm. I mean, even they are merging into MMA. Right. Well, look at Mayweather. Right. Yeah. He's, he's promoting yeah. you know, MMA now. Right. Because 
He's obviously looking for the money. That's where the, that's where the that's, that's where, where the, he gets his paycheck. That's now. where the public interest is. Looking for another fight. Is he going to do MMA? Did he say that? Uh, I don't think he I, will. But he'll look to box people from MMA. You know, get those high-profile McGregor's and, and put them in the... Easy yeah, money. that's right. Easy money. It is. Easy. And it is. Because yeah. you know he'll win. He'll push up his, you know, yeah. his wins and... Easy money. No, mm. I, I, I think jujitsu is expanding. I think it's going to continue to expand. I think mm. uh, it's almost to the point where you can go to any city in the States and there's a jiu-jitsu academy somewhere. Mm. And maybe it's not a really nice one. Maybe it's just a fucking garage. But I think you can pretty much go to any city that has more than 50,000 people and there is a jiu-jitsu gym there. Yeah, yeah. There you is. can find a gym anywhere just about, right? And for someone like me who travels and teaches seminars, this is a great thing because the more academies that there are that open, the more business I have. Because mm. that's what I do. I just travel. I'm a traveling jiu-jitsu instructor, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think I want to open my own academy. And I, I, I had Eugene Behrman on the podcast uh, last week. Yeah. Um, he's the the MMA coach at City Kickboxing in Auckland. He's the head coach for Israel Israel, Israel Adesanya, uh, Alexander Volkanov. Mm. Both are UFC champions currently. Yeah, and they have and there's Dan Hooker, Brad Riddell, and Shane Young. So he has like five or six UFC fighters yeah, on, his, on his roster with two champions. Mm. He's he was elected the MMA coach of the year for 2019. Yeah, awesome. Because he has two UFC champions in his gym and. Uh, so yeah, and uh, fuck, what what were we talking about? I, why did I bring up Eugene? Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, shit. <laughs> fuck. Uh, progress of uh, MMA and how it, it's expanding and how people don't uh, watch boxing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the pay per views uh, going down and MMA is going up. I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Anyways, the point is, I think. Um, it was something that Eugene and I talked about, but I can't remember. I wanted to bring it up, but I, I forgot what it was. Anyways, the point is, I think I think jujitsu is expanding, and I think it's going to continue to expand mm. with and, the growth of MMA. And because MMA is so yeah. popular, jujitsu is always like, especially like like Joe Rogan. You know, he's a UFC commentator. He's a yeah, jujitsu black belt. Yeah. He has a huge influence over pop culture, and he just pushes jujitsu every uh, epi- every yeah. episode. Like it doesn't uh, matter who he's talking to. He no, throw- no matter what kind of conversation <laughs> it is. Yeah, he could be talking to a mathematician. Uh, He'll throw jujitsu in there somehow. Yeah. And um, and I think that's great, man. And I think I I hope that more academies open up around the world, and I hope I get more opportunities to travel to those academies and teach mm. more seminars. So hey, if you are listening to this and you own a jiu-jitsu academy, shoot me a message on uh, Instagram and let, let me come teach. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I totally endorse that. That is uh, legit. I mean, this will be the second one I go to tonight, right? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I'm I yeah. do I do my best to make it it's fun. A, it's a very unique you know, skill set and system. And it's something that I think, you know, you very really get an opportunity to to um, see from the best. You know, uh, hanger teams, guillotines, yeah, and, and monopilatas. Yeah. And, yeah, that opportunity doesn't come around all that often. So, you know, I've taken that opportunity a couple of times in the last month. So, yeah, there we have it. Um, we have, we're going to conclude this episode are we at an hour already uh yes yeah are we more than an hour exactly there 102 oh cool um so i've got a f- five quick fire questions yep. for you okay all right and yeah you gotta ask uh, answer with a short summary for your thoughts just okay. as fast as you can One. so we get the truth nothing okay. but the truth <laughs> Like I don't, I don't really filter myself. I, yeah, I, I keep. And it, I love that. I keep, I keep it pretty real. 
I'm not a bullshitter. Your stance on leg locks. Gay. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think leg locks are very useful, and I think everyone should learn them and understand them. I don't like doing them myself, but I respect leg lockers, and hmm. if I compete against a good leg locker, I, I don't play with fire. You know, They I, do work, I, right? They work, man. They work. They do work, and I avoid them like the plague. Um, it's not my jam. My jam is jumping on heads and necks, but I do respect the leg lockers, and I... And, and uh, I think anyone that has a good leg lock system is dangerous. Inspiration outside Atos. David Goggins. Yeah, right. Why? Yeah. I just love uh, The dude is all about the hard work. He's yeah. all about mind over body. Mm. And this is so important. Mind over body. If you believe you can do it, you can fucking do it. Mm. If you don't believe you can do it, you sure as fuck aren't going to do it. He's the man. He's the man that it pushes his body way beyond its limits because his mind is so fucking strong. He's a mental giant, and I love that. I respect that man. Embarrassing moments of your career? Oh shit! Um, <clears throat> I tried. To, I tried a flying armbar at the Kasai Championship. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I was fighting against Mateus Denise, and I had beaten Mateus twice before. Yeah. And in the last minute of the match, I tried a flying armbar, and it was no gi, and I lost my grips, and I landed on my head on the mat and I, yeah. knocked, I knocked myself retarded and he jumped on my back and choked me and finished me and up to that point the match was like super even like mm. very very even yeah. and uh, I just so I basically just threw it in the trash <laughs> <laughs> trying to be exciting and I just threw it in the trash and handed it to him it's all for the show though all for the people I was all trying, for the fans I was just trying not to be a boring grappler man but yeah it was, it was fucking embarrassing <laughs> thoughts on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in Australia Oh, I think it's I think it's I think it's moving up. I think it's evolving quickly. You know, I, the Aussies every year are bring, coming in force. Mm. You know, and um, it used to be just like the only Aussie I'd ever heard of in jiu-jitsu was Kit Dale. You know, and then and then Craig Jones appeared. You know, and then Craig started winning some things, and then the Lachlan showed up, and Lachlan did his big thing at ADCC, oh. and then Levi showed up, and he started. Every year, there's a couple more badass Aussies on this on the big stage, and mm. I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. I think every year, I think the Aussies are gonna are really gonna be coming out and showing up. And uh, you know, I've been traveling to Australia for about three years now, mm. uh, consistently. And every time I come here, I come back and I train with the same people, and they they're getting better and better and better. And uh, yeah, I think it's on the rise. Yeah, right? cool. That's that's awesome. Good to hear. Yeah, and. Um... Any matchups you would like to see today? Uh, for, matchups for me? within Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, yeah. Or for me? For yourself, let's. For myself, well, I, I'm gonna, I, I, need a, I need a shot at Craig Jones' neck. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah I would like to see that. <laughs> it's going <laughs> cool. to happen. We talk yeah. about it all the time. Oh, cool. Everyone always talks about it. It's going to yeah. happen because it's a clash of styles. It is. The leg locker versus the yeah. neck. Yeah, well, neck. you heard it here. Leg locks are gay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I, I will have, before I retire, me and Craig Jones are going to have a match. And the other person I really want to have, have a match with, and I, and, and I don't say, the, I'm not calling these people out. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm going to beat their asses on it. I just really, I respect these people. Mm. I respect Craig and I, I would love to have a match with him. That's the challenge you want. Yeah. And the other one is, uh, Shanji Hibero. And Shanji and I have already agreed that we need to have a match before both of us retire because we're a very similar age and uh, we're both kind of towards the end of our competitive mm. career. And he actually told me, we were talking at ADCC, and I told him, I said, hey, Shanti, I really want us to have a match someday. You know, like, I'm being purely respectful. I'm not trying to say anything. 
like I can beat you, but I, I, it would be my honor to have a match mm. with you. And he goes, he goes, yeah, you're on my list too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. He goes, I got, a, he goes, I got like a short list of about five guys that I want to compete against before I retire. And he's like, you're on there. <laughs> I love that. What kind of formats do you see them having? Oh, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I think I like I like having points. I like having a point system mm. on a match because it forces people to be more conscientious of which positions they're in and what positions they're giving up and. And I think uh, I would like a, a And even if the, the fights are very close, you've still got some way of determining. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. the points because it just it just makes people open up mm. um, if they're losing. They have to take more risks because they're down on points. And mm. if they don't take a risk, they're not going to win. So yeah. I think it creates more opportunities for mm. submissions as opposed to submission only where people can go really, really defensive and try to just kill the clock and, and yeah. you know win a decision or something. Yeah, thanks for that. Very honest, open answers to all those questions there. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Um, what do you? What goals do you see for twenty twenty besides those matchups? Well, I have a lot of I have a lot of uh, a lot of accomplishments. No gi, and I believe I will say this also. I think no gi is on the rise over the gi. Yeah, right. I think. Why do you think that Be- is? Because, because of, of MMA. MMA. Yeah, because of MMA. People see that transition. And, and just in general, I think Nogi super fights or super matches or whatever you're going to call them, um, I think they're just more exciting because there's just more mm. scrambling. There's yeah, more scram- I like that. There's more yeah. scrambling. So they're just, they're it's in like general. They can't get away. Yeah, there's heel hooks are more accepted in Nogi. So that's mm. like an added it's a submission that you can't really do in the Gi. Um, I love training in the gi. I, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I, I prefer to train in the gi. Actually, I, I like it more. It's more. Yeah, every time I see you here training, it's fun. I see you training in the gi. Training in the gi is it's, more fun uh, for me. Mm. But maybe that's because the gi is new to me. Not new anymore. Like I've been doing it for ten years, but I've been doing no gi for like twice as long. Yeah. So I think I think I just get burnt out on the no gi after a while, mm. and I, I like doing something different. I, I like doing something that I'm not as good at. Mm. No gi is a bigger challenge for me than no gi. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah, yeah, I've just been skill set, I've just been doing no gi longer, so it's, it's easier for me. Yeah. Um, so I prefer the challenge of the mm. gi, and um, but I think in terms of like professional level competition, I think no gi is is climbing quickly in terms of popularity. But I think in terms of people who want to train jujitsu as a hobby, and and jujitsu is not their life, I think the gi is always going to be more popular because yeah. of just that hygiene barrier. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, yeah. is that hygiene? I was thinking about the physicality of it. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to grab anyone's neck. You grab the collar. Yeah. I don't have to grab That's your it. wrist. I grab your sleeve. It's like for especially for women. It's confronting, right? Yeah, especially for women who want to start jujitsu and they don't know anything about it. Do you think they want some fucking man grabbing their body? Sweating. Yeah, sweating, sweating. on there, dripping on them, grabbing their body, grabbing their legs with yeah. their hands. You know what? In the gi, you're grabbing the pants. You're not grabbing their leg. It's a lot more. It's a lot less invasive for a beginner. So I think the gi is always better for people to start off, um, in terms of like being just a com- being comfortable with this new environment of very close quarter contact. And I think I think and then if people decide that oh I want to do some no gi, then you're going to get another level of physical mm-hmm. contact. Like it's another level. Like it's a lot more intimate in terms of like my body on your body. Yeah. Which, so and that yeah. can be challenging for people. It, it, it can be. You know, you and I have been doing this forever, for decades. Don't we don't even we think about it. Don't anymore. even think about it, right? It's 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 natural to me. Like like your your knee could literally be resting on my knee, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't like I wouldn't flinch away from you. I wouldn't pull away. Like physical contact to me is so normal between all humans mm. that I don't even think about it. But 
think about how much physical contact that normal people get mm. in their everyday lives. Mm. Scary. Imagine you're, Scary to think. It's, it's not much, <laughs> yeah. right? It's Imagine crazy. you're an accountant. How much physical contact do you have with other humans? Handshakes and pats on the back. That's mm. it, right? No, that's fist it. bumps, that's for sure. Fist bumps, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's very minimal though, you know? Mm. And I think people need more physical contact in their lives. Yeah. I think they'll just be better people. I think it's, I think humans crave physical contact. Yeah, and community. And yeah. this is what we've been through, right? This is part of it. Yeah. I mean, contact with humans and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think people need jujitsu in their lives because they need I agree. they need challenges, they need adversity, they need something that's difficult for them. That it takes them out of their comfort zone. It challenges you mentally. It challenges you physically. It challenges your strategic thinking. It's like it's a challenge in so many ways, and it's a great community. It's a you, get, you know you have physical interaction with people. It's exercise. There's like so many ways that's good for you. It's it's shocking to me that if everyone in the world did, did jiu-jitsu, the world would truly be a better place. Mm. I really believe that. I think that's a great conclusion to the podcast. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Let's end it on that. And I've got to thank you for for coming in for a second round. <laughs> um, I haven't saved this podcast yet, but <laughs> that's not, I'm, yeah, I'm going to lock that down. <laughs> save, save, save. Um, but I've got to thank my sponsors because yeah. um, without them, you know, of course. It, it's so hard and yeah. there's a lot of money and time invested in actually producing these uh, that a lot of people out there don't get to see, yeah. like we've discussed. <laughs> and um, I like what you got to say about it because it's very uh, in line with my own. <laughs> but uh, Redfin Physiotherapy, uh, they help and support this podcast. Cool. And also Bondi Beard Co. Yeah, yeah, Bondi Beard yeah. Co. Yeah. Beard. Man. Like the beard. Yeah, yeah beard not- oils. Okay. And uh, nice. that stuff. Keep your beard, yeah. I got a beard right Nothing now, so healthy, maybe I should look into it. Maybe I should look into it. You should, yeah, because it, it feels. You need of, to bring some of that home before you go. It feels kind of scratchy. I know you got another day. I should have organized some for you. I need to get a beard comb and some oil and smooth that, mm. smooth out my beard. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Hey, my pleasure. And, uh, I'm I, sure you got some sponsors yeah, to thank. Yeah, I got a and, few. Uh, I'll, I'll, first off, big thanks to to Tommy Fightwear. They're my gi sponsor. Gi, mm. they they provide all my all my gear. And um, they're great. They're based out of the UK. So. Yeah, I was looking at your gear, uh, your gear you had on today, and honestly, I yeah, I'm gonna look into gear. Yeah, they make they make good stuff. If, if yeah. you guys want to use my promo code HingerBJJ, you get fifteen percent off. Oh, sweet! Yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty solid discount. Yeah, the, uh, the Bondo Beard Co. actually have fifteen percent off uh, for us as well. What's so, the code? Uh, Fighters Performance. Yep. Yeah, yeah, gotta shout out the Just, code. Uh, yeah. Um, also, um, I have a, a an agreement with the. The Grappler's Guide. In the Grappler's Guide, I have my entire um, guillotine series system yeah. on, on their website, and they sell lifetime memberships right now for eighty-seven dollars. Oh wow! Lifetime membership. It's fucking stupid. I told them not. Mm. To, I told them to stop it because it's too damn cheap. <laughs> it's, it's normally like three hundred. It it's normally three hundred or three fifty, but it's a life. It's always a lifetime membership. It's not a monthly subscription. You're paying for a lifetime membership always. And lifetime access to this content yes. within. Yes. So yeah, also that the, the promo code is again Hinger BJJ. Hmm. So thank you to the Grapplers guy for that. And uh, CBD Distillery, I got a CBD sponsor. And unfortunately, the promo code is not Hinger BJJ, but instead it's Josh Ten, which All is ten right. percent off yeah. if you use that code. And Monkey Tape is my finger tape sponsor, which I love. And Moscow uh, Underwears, 
and there's one more. Oh, Norwegian nutrition. Yeah, thanks to Norwegian Manscaped. Nutrition. Yeah. Oh, I manscaping. Yeah. No, no, but they're, they're, <laughs> Correct yeah, me up. They're advocates. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, um, yeah, so I got a Israel Adesanya on my podcast. So if you want to check out that episode, it's going to be mm. re- released next yeah. week. And yeah, I'm going to put that in the manscaping. How do we get at, at you on social media? Um, Instagram at HingerBJJ. Cool. Uh, on Facebook, it's just Josh Hinger BJJ, and I think that's all I use for social media is Facebook, yeah. Facebook Instagram. Sweet. Give him a follow. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. All right, really guys. appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you to our sponsors for their continued support of Season 2 of Fighters Performance Podcast. Big appreciation goes out to the Red Firm Physios and their support of the Fighters Performance team and this podcast. Bondi Beard Co. now has 15% off any of their products on checkout with our code FPP. Check out the wellness guide to discover healthy eateries, fitness studios, and wellness spaces around Sydney. Our last thanks goes out to Aona for hosting us and our guests for every episode. Tune in to listen to future episodes of Fighters Performance Podcast.